Well, hello, my friends, and welcome to Hope for Your Heart. This is Pastor Calvin Corbett. So glad that you're joining us today. And today we're on belief number five, that Jesus is God. Now, we're going to do something a little different in the broadcast today. I so believe that Jesus is God that you can trust his voice. Jesus said that his sheep know his voice, and they follow that voice. You know, there's something powerful about a voice, and uh, you can follow a person by their voice. And, and if you listen to somebody long enough, you don't have to know who's talking. You just recognize their voice. And so I want to encourage you today to know that Jesus is God, and you can follow his voice. And so I'm going to play a clip today, and it's a clip about a pastor who passed out as he was flying a plane, and uh, this was done by John Maxwell, and I think it'll be such a blessing to you as you listen to this, and then I'll tune in at the end of this illustration, and we'll talk about why we believe so firmly that Jesus is God. I was in Alaska doing a lawsuit. We're way out in the Aleutian Islands, getting ready to leave and go back to Anchorage and then home. And I had a ticket in my pocket to get on an airplane. The pastor came up and he said, listen, I can save you money. I said, how's that? He said, I flew a small airplane up here and I fly a small airplane and I can take you in my little airplane and you can save your ticket. And this did not sound, I said, gee, thank you so very, very much. But I've got this ticket. We'll just make our way on home, me and this other lawyer with me. He said, no, 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 you got to do it, you got to do it. And against every better judgment I had, I said, okay. Well, we went out to the airport, took us by his little plane, and I looked at it. And I thought, well, one good thing, it's shiny. Then he walked around it. We got in. He's on the left front. I'm on the right front. The other lawyer's sitting right behind me. And he started it up. And it started up just fine. Well, we taxied out. I said, should we pray? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. We normally don't. I said, well, this time we're going (laughs) to. And I'm telling you, I prayed five, eight minutes. I prayed a long time. We went and got on the runway. He starts down the runway. The plane lifted off ever so gently, and we start climbing. And it's wonderful. Not a problem in the world. We started climbing, and we flew probably three, four minutes. And something happened that will never leave my mind. The pilot turned to me and he said, we're going in the clouds and I can't fly in clouds. They make me pass out. I said, clouds make you do what? (laughs) Now it's been cloudy all day. And we go right up into the clouds and you can't see anything. And he looks at me and his eyes roll back in his head and he starts mumbling and he passes out passed out cold. Now I grabbed him and I shook him and I said, come on, you got to wake up so I can kill you. Now we're in the clouds flying along with no pilot. And my friend in the back seat said, we're dead, aren't we? I said, there's a very good chance of that. Yes. He said, what are we going to do? I said, I don't know. But there was a radio right there and I handed him the microphone and I said, start asking for help. So he's in the back seat reaching up and he said, hello, hello. We didn't know any proper radio etiquette. All we were saying was hello. And somebody answered back, hello, hello. Don't you guys know proper radio etiquette? And I said, give it to me. I said, Tell him, we don't know nothing. Tell him we're in an airplane with a passed out pilot and we don't know how to fly this plane. The guy said, I'm a freighter flying out of Anchorage on the way to Tokyo. And he said, you're telling me you have nobody who can fly that plane with you? I said, tell him that's correct. Now you gotta understand, I am sweating bullets. He said, the first thing I'm gonna do is start circling so I don't lose you. 
because I'll fly out of range of your radio and you won't have me anymore. And he said, I'm going to get Anchorage Emergency for you. And Anchorage Emergency will be the people that can maybe help you try to save your life. After about five minutes, Anchorage came on, said, we understand you have a passed out pilot. And those of you do not know how to fly that plane. We said, that's right. They said, well, the first thing we got to do is find you. And I'll never forget what this man at Anchorage said. He said, my job is to get you home safe. He said, that's my job. But he said, here's the deal. If you want me to get you home safe, you got to promise me you'll obey my voice. He said, you can't see me, but I can see you. And he said, if you're not going to obey my voice, you're going to die. When you can't see anything, you have no idea how disorientated you become. Finally, he said, okay, I found you. Now hear me clear. He said, you're four minutes from a mountain. He said, you're going to crash in that mountain and die. Follow my voice. I never said, I have to follow your voice. Is that reasonable? You see, I understood without his voice, I had nothing. And do you understand? Without God's voice, you have nothing. Nothing. Finally, he got us turned. And he said, I'm freezing all the traffic in the area. He said, it's going to take me an hour and a half to get you to Anchorage. And there's a lot of weather between you and Anchorage. You're in for a rough ride. And he said, I want you to hear me. I don't want you to look at what's going on outside. I don't want you to pay attention to the storm, just my voice. He said, if you start watching the storm, you will die, but I'll take you through it. Now, because they cleared all the traffic, several pilots, those nighttime freighters, those 747 started talking to us. They said, we're praying for you, men. You're going to make it, but listen to the voice. That's the key. They said, trust the voice. You realize your head is full of voices and everybody in this world wants to talk to you and everybody wants to be the controlling voice. And God says, I want you to be a living sacrifice. I want you to put yourself on the altar and let my voice be your voice. Finally, we went through the worst of the weather, but there was still more. And then the voice came back and it said, now I'm gonna line you up. He said, I'm gonna bring you in right down the runway. And at the foot of the runway are some lights and they're in the form of a cross. He said, don't you forget this. The cross is the way home. Finally, he's bringing us down. We still can't see anything. And all he kept saying is, stay with me. My sheep, the Bible says, hear my voice and they follow me. Finally, just a couple hundred feet off the ground, we saw the cross. I landed the plane. In fact, I landed it seven times. Finally, it all came to a stop, and the minute we stopped, the pilot woke up. The voice said, thanks for listening. I watch them crash and burn all the time because they won't follow my voice. They don't understand I'm the one who can see them even when they can't see me. But they get the voices in their head, and they kill themselves. They self-destruct. Thanks for listening to the voice. Then they put us in a motel room at about four in the morning. The knock at my door. And I opened the door and a man was standing there. He said, hello, David. I said, you're the voice. You're the one who got me home. He said, I am. Do you understand one day you're gonna stand before him and say you were the voice? You're the voice that brought me home.
If you're not on that altar as a living sacrifice, your head's full of voices. And then we wonder why kids crash and burn. We wonder why marriages are shattered. And the Lord's saying, I'm the one who has the voice. All I can remember is that voice saying, stay with me. Stay with me. Don't listen to what's going on in your head and don't watch the storm. Stay with me and I'll take you through. Tonight you have a God who has promised to take you through. A living sacrifice, holy. Well, people in all stages of life can experience an identity crisis, it seems like adolescents tend to be most prone. A study conducted in 2015 found that 37% of teenagers were struggling with their identity. And 95% of teenagers report that they felt inferior at some point in their lives. And as I think about this, why is it that we are struggling trying to figure out who we are? Well, I think that one of the reasons is because we don't believe in our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Michael W. Smith said that we're all looking for our place in our world when he wrote that song, A Place in the World. And here are the lyrics. The wind is blowing, but I am standing still. A life of pages waiting to be filled. A heart that's hopeful, a head that's full of dreams, but is becoming harder than it seems. And then he says, it feels like I'm looking for a reason, roaming through the night to find my place in this world. My place in this world. Not a whole lot to lean on. I need your help to find me and my place in this world, my place in this world. Listen, when you have a relationship with Christ, you have found your place in this world. You know, identity crisis is prone to be more alive with young people, but I've also discovered that older people feel it as well. Maybe you feel like it's too late or you're too old and and your identity has expired, kind of like a debt card that expired. I remember one time I was taking some friends out to lunch and, and since I did the inviting, I also did the paying. I went to pay the bill and my credit card came back declined. Now, I know sometimes I might run things a little close financially, but this time I knew that the funds were in my account. I said, will you run it again? Well, come to find out, the money was there, but my card expired. Now, when we think about an identity that expires or is stolen, you can't seem to find it. I never, however, will find true identity until I find identity in Christ. Listen to the voice of Christ in the storms of life. He will get you through. You know, the Bible tells us that as many as received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become the children of God. Well, you say, well, why does it even matter? You know, it matters because as believers in Christ, we are no longer foreigners, we're no longer strangers, but we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of God's household. You know, when you know who you are in Christ, you have a home with him in Christ. You know, there's something else that you can have is this benefit of having God's handiwork in me. Now, look at how Paul writes it. He says, we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. You see, God had a plan for us in doing these wonderful things with our lives, and we must find that identity in Him. But I want to give you some other good news, right? You have a home in Christ. Don't you love coming home at the end of a busy day? You're exhausted. You've maybe been gone for a long time, and you just come home and say, ah, man, there's there's no place like home. I tell people, I says, as soon as I enter into uh, North Carolina, because I live down in Boyock, as soon as I cross the state line, 
It, it seems like I can give out a sigh of relief because I'm really close to home when I cross the state line. At home with Christ. And does Christ feel at home with you? And secondly, that we are his handiwork. He has put us together. It's so wonderful to know that he knit me together in my mother's womb. And after I was born, he didn't forget about me. Uh, He still has a plan for me. And here's something else that you got to know is that he has hand-selected us. Oh, Peter tells us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a, a holy nation, God's special possession, so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of darkness into his wonderful light. You know, it's a good thing, Charles Burton said, it's a good thing that God chose me before I was born, because he certainly would not have chosen me after I was born. I want you to know, you are a chosen person. God hand-selected you. God raised you up for a purpose. You remember how it was when you were a kid, and you were settling teams for who was going to be on the dodgeball team, and, and maybe you felt embarrassed because you were one of the last people to be chosen. I want you to know when God chose you, it wasn't a last choice. You were his first choice. He chose us. You know, when we think about being chosen, prisoners find liberation sometimes hard to accept. And I think Christians sometimes find it the same way. In his book, Ghost Soldiers, Hampton Sides tells the story of a dramatic mission during World War II. On January 28, 1941, 121 hand-selected army rangers slipped behind the lines of the enemies in the Philippines in an attempt to rescue 513 Americans and British POWs who had spent the last three years in the hellish prison camp near the city of Cabinton. Sides described the first effects of the liberation as chaos and fear. The prisoners were too mentally brittle to understand what was taking place. Some even scurried away from their liberators. One particular prisoner, Burt Bank, refused to budge. Even when a ranger walked right up to him and tugged his arm. Come on, we're here to save you, he said. Run for the gate. Banks still would not move. The ranger looked into his eyes and saw they were vacant, registering nothing. What's wrong with you, he asked. Don't you want to be free? A smile formed on Banks' lips as the meaning of the words became clear. He reached up to the outstretched hand of the ranger. The rangers searched all the barracks for additional prisoners. Then they shouted out, The Americans are leaving. Is there anybody here? Hearing no answer, they left. But there was one more POW, Edwin Rose. Edwin had been on the latrine duty, and somehow he missed all the shouting and all the explosions. When he wandered back to his barracks, he failed to notice that the room was empty, and he lay down on his straw mat and he fell asleep. Edwin had missed the liberation, but there was a reason why. Edwin was deaf. Four Americans died in the rescue, two rangers in the firefight, and two prisoners who perished for reasons of poor health. The freed prisoners marched 25 miles and boarded their ship home. With each step, their stunned disbelief gave way to a soaring optimism. Even Edwin Rose made it. He finally woke up and realized liberation had come. Maybe today you're listening to the broadcast and you feel like you are left behind. Listen, liberation is possible for you. You know, one of the things I've noticed about working with inmates, oftentimes they are released from prison and they go out into society and it seems like they struggle because they don't know how to handle their freedom. Listen, God chose you. 
And when he sets you free and he gives you victory over sin, he doesn't leave you at that point. He doesn't say, well, good luck trying to figure out the next step of your life. He is with us every step of the way. And I want you to know that he is holding on to you securely. The Bible tells us that God has lavished his love on us. And he's lavished us so much that we are called children of God. And that's what we are. You see, the reason that the world doesn't know us is because it doesn't know him. I want you to know that God can take you up out of that pit of destruction. He can get you out of that miry bog. And he can set your feet on a solid rock. Psalm 40, verse number two says that not only does he do that, but he orders my steps. John 10, 28 reminds us that we are in the Father's hands and we're never going to perish because no one can snatch us out of his hands. You know, I love listening to Christian music and it ministers to my soul. And it's one of those things that I just started really feeling the full impact of the blessing of being infiltrated with worship music. Rick Mullins was a Christian musician and a songwriter and he died at age 41 in 1997. And he once confessed at a concert that he really struggled with watching pornography while traveling alone. One of his spiritual mentors told him, it's not that you're so bad. It's just that you're not supposed to go out by yourself. So wherever Mullins went, he would take a friend along with him. And so when he went to Amsterdam and he was down near that famous red light district, he was hoping that his friend would fall asleep and start snoring so that he could go out. But then he thought, well, maybe it'd be fun if I just took a walk to be tempted. He waited until five o'clock in the morning until his friend finally started snoring. Meanwhile, in the midst of this temptation, Mullins picked up a notebook and wrote the words to one of his more popular songs, Hold Me Jesus. And as you look at these and listen to these lyrics, he says, and I wake up in the night and I feel the dark. It's so hot inside my soul. I swear there must be blisters on my heart. So hold me, Jesus, because I'm shaking like a leaf. You have been king of my glory. Won't you be my prince of peace? With this backstory, some people call this Mullins prayer for the porn addicts, but this is a prayer that will set you free. Maybe you're going through a deep valley right now and you're going through this time of temptation. You wonder, am I ever going to be set free? Listen, God is holding you securely in this time. Realize that the Father's love for you, it's been lavished upon you, that you are a child of the King. You can walk in security because he is holding you secure. You know, there's something else that we look at when we think about the fact that God can be trusted. Jesus is Lord. Not only do we make our home with him, and not only has he done his great handiwork in us, and he's hand-selected us, and he's holding on to us securely, we also have a lot of hope. We have hope in Christ. Paul told the Corinthians that God made Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, in the Old Testament, that word for hope is bata. It has the meaning of confidence, security, being without a care. Therefore, the concept of doubt is not part of this word. Hope is not the absence of doubt. Hope doesn't even bring doubt into the equation. I have so much confidence, so much security, I'm without a care. I'm not worried about doubts because I have my security in Christ. Now, in most instances of the New Testament, the word for hope is a word that means the same identity. It means no attachment to doubt. So therefore, biblical hope is this confident expectation, this assurance that is based upon a sure foundation for which we wait with joy and full confidence. In other words, there is no doubt about it. We have hope in Christ. One of the verses in which we find much hope is Hebrews 11.1, 1, 
where we're given the definition of what faith is, it's being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. So we look at hope and it's based on faith. This verse, beginning the faith chapter, carries with it all of the confidence that comes with knowing for sure, without any question, that we have tapped into the promises of God in His Word. Our faith is confident assurance. It is founded upon the rock of our salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ. All of the actions of the heroes of the faith recorded in Hebrews chapter 11 were made possible because they had this faith based in their confident insurance or their hope in God. You know, as believers, we're also called to have an answer of the hope that lies within us. Did you know 180 times that word hope appears in the Bible? In Matthew 12, it says, In his name, the nations will put their hope. In 1 Peter 1.3, it says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy. He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Oh, maybe the reason that you are feeling hope depleted is because you're not praising God, our Father, and our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, it's because of His great mercy that we are given this living hope, and it's made possible through the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. That's why we can say, like Paul said in Romans 8, 28, that we know all things are going to work together for good to those who love Him, to those who are called according to His purposes. Well, it even gets better than that. Not only is Christ where our home is, not only are we his handiwork, not only are we hand-selected and held securely onto him as he holds on to us, not only do we have hope, that blessed hope, but we also receive honor. Oh, it is so nice to know that we honor God and he honors us. In Zephaniah 3.17, this Old Testament passage, this Old Testament prophet said, the Lord your God is with you the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Ah, oh, what a way God honors us and he, and he rejoices over us with singing. He no longer rebukes us because of our sins, because our sins have been taken care of. You see, now we are honored. In Romans 2.17, my father will honor the one who serves me. Well, you may be asking, well, well, how do I get this honor? How do I receive this honor? Well, John 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things were made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Here we see we find hope when that light is presented. And we think about the light of the world. Jesus is the light of the world. John, when he talks about the coming of of that light of Christ, he says that he himself, John, was not the light. He came only to witness to the light. You see, that light was represented in Christ, and that light is represented in us. That is how we begin to honor the Lord and receive honor back. Unfortunately, many people reject that light, but some people receive that light. Now, maybe you're listening to the broadcast today and you're, and you're going through your life and you're saying, how in the world am I going to figure out what I need to do with my life? I discovered today that a lot of people are looking for meaning and purpose. They're trying to figure out what they should do with their life and they're trying to figure out why they are here. I want you to know that God has a divine purpose for your life. 
He loves you so much that he called you to be his child. He wants you to be part of his family. He wants you to have that hope that is found only in him. You see, so many times we find our identity in our work rather than in Christ, and we want this success, and then when we get the success, it goes to our head, and and if we have failure, it goes to our hearts. I want you to know, you can live a life of hope, a life of honor, regardless of what is happening around you. Listen to that voice, the voice of Christ. Don't listen to all those other voices that are, are, are grabbing for your attention. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. Oh, my friend, I'm praying for you today. And if I can help you with a prayer request or I can help you in another way, please shoot me a text, 252-267-2365, 252-267-2365. Thank you so much for listening to the broadcast today. My prayer is with you today. I pray that you find joy in Christ. I pray that you find hope in his resurrection. And I pray that you will find direction, realizing that Christ loves you and he loves you unconditionally. And he's holding on to you securely. You don't have to worry about him dropping you. You are safe and secure in the arms of Christ. Well, thank you so much for listening today. God bless you. I look forward to talking with you tomorrow. If you'd like to hear this broadcast again, you can have a free download at buzzsprout.com backslash 1890557, or you can listen on Amazon, Spotify, Google Podcast, and Apple Podcast. Hickory Ridge Community Church is located at 3320 Battlefield Boulevard South in Chesapeake, Virginia. Sunday service times are 9 a.m. and 1030 a.m. We'd love for you to join us. For more information, go to hrcc7.org. And remember, no matter what you're going through, in Jesus Christ, there is always hope for your heart.